atmosphere is changing now For the Spirit of the Lord is here The evidence is all around That the Spirit of the Lord is here A lot of times we think if we're having problems, if we're having something that we have difficulties, that God is not in it somehow. But one thing I want you to get as we begin this morning is that we serve a solution-oriented God. We serve a God that do, does not say to you, well, I know you're going through some really difficult times, but I'm coming soon. You're going to hear the trumpet blow. That's not who he is. And it's unfortunate that we have, we have uh, treated it that way at times. Because our God, <coughs> has not, he is not only a solution-oriented God, but he has created a solution-oriented people. Remember the Bible says that God himself indwells you? Do you not know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? And it's the Holy Spirit that hovered over the face of the deep and prepared the world as it was then in all the chaotic state. It's Him that hovered over that and then it's Him that projected the Word of God into that that caused it to change. It's Him that formed us, breathed into us, created us, indwelling us is creation itself. And my goodness, uh, some people who are more uh, line upon line doctrine oriented they hate that message because it requires something besides long years of schooling from them it requires them to step into the process and learn what it is to be creative themselves now we're going to look at some scripture Genesis chapter 1 verses 27 and 28 but just remember this there's some things happened that caused man to be less solution-oriented than he was in the beginning. But the blood of Jesus Christ covered all of that and adjusted everything. So as you look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Well, let me say something about verse 27 before I move on. He created man in his image. Our God has been, or excuse me, our culture has been trying to get you to create in your mind an image of who you are. Let that sink in for a moment. And has begun with you to try to celebrate that image as you project it. And cause all kinds of problems. You, I don't care who you are, were created to reflect the character, the power, and even the notoriety of Almighty God. Not anything else. Let it sink in for just a moment. I'll say more about that in a little bit, but 
This, this is very important for you to begin to think that God did not leave you alone so that you could figure out an image for you to be in. God said right from the outset, you're created in my image, let's work on that. Yes. My goodness, I feel that, don't you? And much of the trouble that is in our culture right now is because people have created an image of themselves and of the culture that is untrue and unreal. I was on my way home long hours traveling and, and asking God about the situation I had just left. I, I've seen so many people that had presented themselves as absolutely trustworthy and, and so forth, but seen them over the past few months just seemingly for very little reason get angry and leave the church. Not this church, although there's been some here. Not this church, but the church in general. Because I, I do work with a lot of churches. And, and I, I ask God, God, what's happening? Well, what in the world is going on? And what he said to me, I still haven't gotten this worked out, but he said one word to me first. He said, purification. And I thought, my Lord, that's rough. And then I remembered he's God. <clears throat> and then many more hours down the road, still pondering the situation and holding it before him, he said to me, remember Nebuchadnezzar? Yeah. He said he presented an image that he said was him. And he intended that everybody worship the image that he presented as himself. And if they wouldn't do it, he'd kill them. He said at some degree that's what's happening in the culture is people have formed an image and presented it and said either you give worth to my image of me or I will cut and slash and, and lie and steal and do everything possible to make you pay because you wouldn't worship the image that I put out there. And I had to remind myself again, he's God. <laughs> but does that sound right to you? At some level, that's exactly what's going on in our culture and that's why the fits are being thrown that are so far out of the normal. It's out of the natural, that it has to have spiritual power and presence on it. And it's because as his body is being purified and formed into his image, the people of the culture throw a fit because those in his image will not accept that image and they won't bow down. Our God is able to deliver us, but if not, he's still God. And I don't care what the fire looks like. I don't care what the trial looks like. I want to be formed in His image. Don't you? Now, verse 28. <laughs> God blessed them and said to them. Now remember, blessed. He brought Himself to where He could see them 
eye to eye, face to face. God cause your face to shine is an image as if I were to walk up to Sai and put my forehead against his forehead and begin to generate who I am. That would be causing your face to shine where he would breathe my breath. I would breathe his breath. God cause your face to shine. He blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, notice multiply is really talking about children. It's talking about the physical that God said, I want you to multiply. I I want you to have kids and I want your kids to have kids and their kids to have kids and, and multiply, fill the earth. But fruitful has spiritual connotation. He's saying, I want you out of this walk with me, out of breathing my breath, out of of having a face-to-face interaction with me. I want you to connect spiritually and make a spiritual contribution to the natural order. That's what it means to be fruitful. And Paul put it like this. He said, let the fruit singular of the Spirit be manifest in you. Love, kindness, peace, joy, on and on it goes. And it's all evidence of one thing. The Holy Spirit bearing singular fruit in you. Well, I can, I can love people, but I'm not a kind person. Well, then get the Spirit. Be baptized in the Holy Spirit. He'll change that. Now, notice the word subdue. Subdue it. Now, this is, a, this is creation. This is known as the creation mandate. Indicating that even in creation, God didn't do it all, but He allowed problems, if you would. He allowed difficulty, if you would. But His command was out of this. As you multiply physically, as, as you gain in numbers, and as you learn how to apply the spiritual to the natural, you're going to subdue the world around you, you're going to... And literally, when you follow the word through in, in early literature and in the Bible, it becomes very apparent that it's saying, learn how it works and then work it. Learn how it works and then work it. In that thing that we call the Garden of Eden, that place that seemed like it, it, it would have been just a wonderful and joyous place, built into the creation there were things that needed to be subdued and things that we were to rule over. Things that we were to say, oh no, it don't work like that. Why? Because I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. I have the Spirit of God dwelling in me and working through me. It's not going to work that way because I have found out by listening to God how it works. Now we're going to work it. Those that are very good at training animals have learned a lot about this. But understand that creating solutions to problems is part of who you are. If the Spirit of God indwells you. Listen to that for a minute. It doesn't mean, oh, I've just got to live with this problem because my, my forefathers lived with this problem. It's just in my family. No. If it's creating a problem with you displaying life, there is a creative solution to that. And God wants to walk with you and help you learn it. There is a particular church around this 
area that, that the leaders of that church and the leaders of several churches are, were meeting together and were talking openly about some difficulties, some physical difficulties in that church because it's beyond the normal. It's having a dark manifestation where people are dying before their time. We're talking constantly. We're praying constantly. We're holding it before God because I believe that there is a manifestation of the Spirit that will change something. It will go right to the root of that problem and cut off the root and be begin to allow health to flow in that body. Because they're wonderful godly people using excuses for the way they're living, but wonderful godly people. And God wants to take away the excuse and say, come on now, walk in health. Understand this. You don't have to die at 50 years old. You don't have to die at 45 years old. Understand this and walk with me and I'll satisfy you with long days. And this goes all the way back to creation. Now, the biggest thing about creative solutions coming from God is that it drives the darkness away. It forces it back and lets light come in. Now let's look at Genesis chapter 9, verse 1. This is after the flood. Noah's out on dry ground now. And look at the mandate now. God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. And if you follow that on through in that chapter, you'll find he did not say subdue it. Why? Because Adam and Eve gave it away. They gave the power to open and shut to the enemy in the Garden of Eden. Now God's still coming to man's level and saying you can still do this, but you're not going to be able to subdue the difficulties at this point. And if you follow the history on through, you'll find that Israel was able, able to succeed to a point, And then they would become so self-focused, self, uh, I guess you would call it, that they would lose it and go into captivity. God would deliver them again. They would, they would become prosperous again. Then they would lose it. Why? Because they had no creative power because they had given that to the enemy. And that they had the power, now let's take it back to the tithe and offering, they had given to, it, it, they did give tithe then because it, man, they had to. <laughs> uh, and they also had to render to Caesar what was Caesar's. You'll find them paying their dues as they traveled in, in the land of Canaan and they had this little bit left and there was no anointing on that little bit. Why? Because they had no creative power. They had given that all over to the enemy. But he doesn't leave us there. Now they're in a position to retake the earth, but not to subdue it. They can, you know, men, men have a tremendous power. I, I've known men that without any hint of godliness would literally pull wealth and riches to themselves and, and become very wealthy and be able to do just about whatever they wanted to in the earth. But everything they would do out of that would, would have to do with either humanism, as we talked about the foundations a couple of weeks ago. It would either have to do with politics, religion, or humanism. It didn't have anything to do with the kingdom of God. That's what happens when man comes at it in, in a way opposite of God. But if, if you do what's right... These days, you have this God who has this promise. He says, now see, if I won't pour out on what's left, 
See if I won't pour out, pour out, pour out, pour out, and turn the heart of the fathers to the sons and the heart of the sons to the fathers. See if I won't do this. But now let's go on and look at Mark chapter 16, verses 17 and 18. These signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. There you see it. His blood paid the price, and now we have full authority to subdue any dark thing. And those, those words were very readily used in those days to talk about the expression of the demonic, the powers of darkness, very sinful people. Those were words that were used to express it. Now you have authority again to subdue it now you have authority again to gain master over it not to see it know it and wait on the second coming saying it'll all be taken care of in heaven but now you have the authority to go forth and to allow the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon you. And you'll begin to, yes, we're speaking in new tongues. We're talking about sometimes an unknown language, yes. Sometimes we're talking about that I just talk different. That I don't, I'm not as abusive to people around me as I used to be. I, I don't think it's funny to make people feel small. I don't do, I'm speaking in a new way. I'm, I'm talking about things in a different way. I don't, I don't think it's good to look at my wife and everything she does and decide that I need to be jealous because she's got friends. And hear me, I don't care if they're male or female. She's got friends. And I celebrate that. I'm not jealous. She's my wife. You say, well, what if she goes astray? Well, that's her business. And we'll deal with that, but I don't think it's going to happen. Why? Because we're committed to each other and I see the process of godliness in her. <laughs> Shouting amen now, aren't we? You know, we've tried to develop deliverance technology. We've tried to develop church growth technology. But I'm telling you, there is a power in you to design a heavenly realm right here on earth. And God help me, that's what I want to be found doing the day of my death. Is helping to design an expression of God's Spirit right here on earth. I, my, my future is secure. Now, yeah, I know. Go on and tell everybody that I'm preaching eternal security. That's all right. Mine's pretty, pretty secure. And I'm, I'm telling you that it's all of, not all about when I get to heaven someday. It's about how much of heaven can I learn to express right here? Can His kingdom come? Can His will be done in Kirksville as it is in His room? And I can't imagine any sick folks in, in the heavenly realms. Can you? Walk with me down the, sea of, down the river of life and tell me who you see there. I see folks that are happy and at peace and righteous and joy. I see them dancing in, in the presence of God. I see them falling on their face and worshiping. Their joints evidently are not, a, not an issue. I'm telling you that we can bring heaven to earth. And we've spent centuries now with errant doctrine just, well, I'm trying to get to heaven. If I can only make it in. Come on. Man, if, if, if there's something like that happening, I'm not going to only make it in. I'm going to hit that thing with a splash. I'm going to hit that thing on the run. I'm going, to, I'm going to do it because God has said you're supposed to live it here. Now, Matthew chapter 13, verse 11. 
to you, to you, to you, it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them, not been granted. Our culture says, oh, you can't say us and them. The book says it. So I'm pretty comfortable with saying us and them. To you it has been granted. To them it has not. What are the mysteries? <laughs> Everything you don't know. Behave. <laughs> the mysteries is everything you don't know. To you it has been granted. My, I hear people and I still hear them say, all oh, the mysteries. We'll know them when we're on the sea of glass. No, I'm going to know my share of them now. Because to me it has been granted. To you it has been granted. And I'd hate to stand before God and Him say, you could have solved all of that. But you didn't. All you did was wallow and slobber and ask forgiveness and hope you made it in. <laughs> now, think of what this could mean. Most of us recognize that medical science could not have gotten where it is without the revelation of God. I just don't see how it could. But think about these research scientists that would be able to get into the realms of God and figure out a medication that would cure Alzheimer's that had no side effects. Can't you just see the, the commercial that says discovery of this new medication? And they're going to Put it out at cost. It's going to cost you a dollar and a half a pill. And there's added no sorrow to it. Uh, uh, when God gives us things, there's no sorrow added to it. Look at that. Look it up. That's in Proverbs 10 and 22. Now, just keep thinking with me now. How about business? that not only thought about a prophet, now they would think about a prophet because it's God's will for us to profit. But they also thought about the welfare and the future of their employees. And they also thought about fair business practices with those people around them. And I'm not talking about secular humanism now. I'm talking about the Spirit of God where, where there's, a, there's a, a right pay for a day's work and a right profit to help a business to prosper. And that there's no sorrow added to it. And those of you that have been around business knows that sometimes to, to gain the multiple billions that some gain, that they have to make choices. They have to choose that I can no longer be friends with the head of this company because I'm getting ready to take it away from him. I can no longer do this because I'm getting ready to take all of their business away. I'm going to cut and slash them and their reputation so I can be this and that. Adding sorrow to it. But when the riches of God comes, there's no sorrow to it. No sorrow added. It's, it comes and it comes in a healthy and a godly way. Just think of that. Think about music. That never been heard and it when when it's played and some and musicians listen to it they think 
And that's a use of an instrument that never been heard on the earth, but it's so beautiful. Those words have never been used in that way. They've never been sang in that way, but listen to what it's saying. It's lifting up our Master. Think about it. All of the mysteries open to us. Think about a whole set of politicians that learn how to get in office without slashing and cutting and, and damaging the reputation of their, of their opponents. That they just learn what it is to get in on their own merit. Most of the cutting and slicing of politics is, is I'll destroy you so that while the news media is destroying you, they won't take a close look at me. Oh, by the way, think about a news media that actually advertised the news with no agenda in it. It's possible. The mysteries of the kingdom of God is there available. And it's possible. And, and the Bible says that the kingdoms of this world will come under the kingdom of His Son. That there will be a people in the earth someday that will get this. They'll begin to walk in it. They'll begin to talk in it. They'll begin to do something different. Yeah, they, some of them will amass great wealth because they're going to need it for what they're doing. And, and think about what it would be if somebody came up to you and said, well, we have... We have need in our home and you didn't have to call the church and say, can we, can we help them? You just helped them. And nobody knew about it but you. The right hand didn't know what the left hand was doing and you've got to walk in the blessing of knowing that we hadn't been the answer, you've been the answer. Think about that. Oh man. I, I think about this and that, that's what he said. He, he said, to you it's been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom. To those, those things that have been held back and not, not allowed to know during that time when, when the enemy was in control. And now Jesus is in control. And now it has been granted. You see, Adam and Eve handed over the ability to open and shut. They just handed it over. And I'm not going to go deep into this this morning, but if you'll notice when Jesus was tempted... He was brought into the wilderness and that's what Satan tempted him with. He, he said, you know, Jesus, most, most people have this thing they call genetics, but really it's a food addiction and I, I'll let you have part of that if you'll just make these stones into bread. Now this is heavily paraphrased. And Jesus said, man, don't live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And he took him up and let on the on the on the temple and let him see all the religious things and said, I'll give you this. If you'll just worship, give worth to the image that I am projecting to you. If you'll give worth to that, I'll give you all this religious authority. And Jesus said, Oh no, and worship only my God. Him only will I serve. And then he took him to the tops of the mountains and showed him all of the power of the kingdoms of this world and said, I'll give you this. No, not going there because I've been put on this earth to demonstrate another kingdom. Now again, this is my, my interpretation. Uh, in other words, Satan, you keep your keys because once I've fulfilled what I'm doing, I'm taking the keys back and I'm giving them to people. I'm taking the mode of operation back. And th that word key, it's used just simply to illustrate the power of opening and shutting. You've got that power. 
Now you can get out and you can see and be attracted by all of the things of this world. you got the power to open that door and walk in it and do whatever it is you'll do in it. Whatever it is you can force yourself to do in it. But understand this, the power, the overseer of that kingdom is out to steal, kill, and destroy. And he has some authority to do it if you give it to him. But there's another kingdom and you also have the keys. And it's the key to the kingdom of God. That if you'll step in it and begin to understand that through the, through, through the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus, the disciples weren't very excited about His death, but they began to get excited when He told them, now, you're going to receive the promise of the Father not many days hence. You're going to go, and if you'll just go and wait, He's going to come to you. And my goodness, did He ever come? That wind began to blow again and oh, did it blow some things away and set some fire on some people and all sorts of things. It all began to happen and they began to speak with new tongues as the Spirit of God gave utterance. Now, let it sink in just a moment. It was those people that obeyed Him. Those people that said, well, there's something more. I'm going I'm to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait on the promise of the Father. Don't know what that promise is. Folks, don't ever think you know what's going to happen. Don't ever think you know what's going to happen. Uh, I, I'm one that has seen most of it, and I mean that. Just because I'm old, not because But I've been a lot of places, and I've seen most of what happened in a, in a tremendous move of God. But it's never the same in any given location. It's never exactly the same. One of the first demonstrations I saw was a man that became a great friend of mine. He, he ministered at a men's retreat in somewhere in the edge of Minnesota over there. And, and man, he started praying for men from a distance and they started, boom, falling out. And instead of you know, they're doing, doing the American church thing and, and somebody getting down over and praying for him, he told the guys that was helping me, he said, drag them over there, stack them up, get them out of the way. And it, that's exactly the way it worked. That was Australia going to work. It looked different in Australia than it looked here. And we were all thinking, oh man, lawsuits. <laughs> But it didn't happen. It was the power and the work of God. And those men, I mean, a lot of those men were forever changed. And you know what the simple message was? God likes you. And He wants to lead you in ways everlasting. That was the simplicity of the message for that whole men's retreat. And it was knocking the socks off of men. Now, it's going to look different here than it looked down the street. So all I'm saying there is don't think you know what it's going to look like, but just live believing that you're going to see the manifest power of God and that He will give you to the answer to your problem in your house. Now here's why I say that. If I can believe Him for the answer in my house, I can believe Him for the answer in the church. If I can believe Him for the answer in the church, I can believe Him for the answer in the city. And if I can believe Him for the answer in the city, I can believe Him for a state, and then a country, and then the world from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost. But i got to first believe Him at home. That God, I, I want Your manifest presence in my home. and Whatever I need to do to get that, God. And people say, well, now, you, know, you don't just get it. Well, there's, yes, you walk in ways everlasting to get there. 
There's things that, you know, we've got a TV and we watch some things. But there's things that's not allowed in our home. That TV will go off or change if those things come on. Why? Because we're much more interested in God's presence than we are entertainment. Another message. (laughs) If you become a person that values and lives out from His presence, it'll change your life. Most of us right now, we live, hear me now, we live in the prophetic power of darkness. The world around us tells us what's going to happen. And we buy into it. And we begin to prepare our lives to receive that. They tell you that you can't be different because of genetics. You buy into that, excuse your way of life, and make that dark prophecy a reality in your life. That our our political system can't change. This world's on its way down. Man, when I look at it, I think that way sometimes because it I don't see what God can do. But then He's God, I remember. And there's very likely some young godly people that are going to be in politics before too long. And they're going to start to change things. They're going to make a practice of telling the truth. And when the news media accuses them, they will tell the truth. Say, yeah, that's right, but God changed my life. That's not who I am now. And stand and hold fast. And and they won't vote for something because it'd be extremely difficult to change it. They'll vote for change because it's extremely godly to do that. They're coming up. But the people have to empower them. We, We as Christians, we could have changed the last six elections just in sheer numbers alone. But we didn't vote. Because we didn't see the creative power of God that was possible. And besides that, a lot of us thought, well, surely the rapture is going to take place by then. (laughs) That thing was forecast by all of the charts before I was 21 years old. And either I didn't make it or it didn't happen. But if I didn't make it, there's a lot more folks that didn't either. Here's the thing. Anxiety stops the development of the Spirit of God in you. Stops the creative power of the Spirit of God in you. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who has given you power to make wealth, that He may, listen to this, that He may confirm His covenant. That's also been translated in some translations as established. That He may confirm His covenant, which He swore to your fathers, as it is this day. It's God that gives you the power. Yes, you go through some difficult times. You go through some very difficult times. But that's, that's not to convince God. That's to convince you that you're faithful. And once you know you're faithful and where your help comes from and where your source is, then He can entrust you then with the true riches. And He'll start to do that incrementally too so that you don't have the load of it on you all at once, but you've got to work His plan. Money is at your disposal 
to reduce the effects of the kingdom of darkness on you. That's why he begins to put it at your disposal. So, so you can reduce the effects of those and make yourself more clear in your thinking and to relieve some of the anxiety. As you go through the process, he begins to make it more and more available to you. And, and it shows that you have been making some right decisions. Now, work with resources, work with money in a way that brings glory to God. And watch what happens. You let Him know what you're doing, that you're agreeing with Him. And the power, the power to get wealth, the power to make wealth, the power is this. I want to make sure I get it right. It's the strength and the ability to use what you are given. God will give you the strength and the ability to start from right where you are and to use in a godly manner what you are given. And through the course of life, He will give you the kind of influence and the kind of insight where you get help and where you have enough and to give. Now, I want to give you an example. I'm not going to mention any names, but I was in a situation recently where there was a real, there was a real problem with a small congregation being able to handle the expenses of their building. And it, you know, you, you get there and you see these precious people. And I, I mean, they're great. I, some of the people that we love most in the world, present company excluded. Um, you look at it and you know that in this city, there's no other expression of, of uh, relational kingdom business that we've been able to find. None. And we've looked and looked and looked because we want to come together. There's no use reinventing the wheel. If it's happening, if it's happening, we'll get on board together. And you look at it and you know what's supposed to happen and you're just thinking, man, they're just going to have to grit their teeth and do this. And then... I was going to meet the pastor in another part of the city and I was hitching a ride with one of the guys that goes to church because he was going to that side of the city anyway. So I was on his job site waiting for pastor to pick me up. And a man comes out of the house, introduces himself to me and says, come on, see what they're doing to my house. And we went in there and looked around and got talking with him and I really like the guy and I hope he at least likes me a little bit and we were talking and, and he began to tell me that he pointed out different workers there. He said, you know, 17 years ago this guy was an illegal in town and I started helping him get his papers and gave him a job and he's been faithful for 17 years. Another guy, 23 years. All of them now own their own businesses and are doing things. He said, I just love to find businesses that don't have a building and don't have any expression in the city. And he said, I've got a lot of commercial property. And he said, I just love to find them and put them in there and help them make it. <laughs> Boy, you think I'm not listening now. And I said, well, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of struggling a little finding a building in El Paso that we can we can work out of and afford. And now he's listening. Really. He's meeting with that pastor this week to talk about buildings and all sorts of possibilities in that city. I don't know what will come out of that, but I know this. It was a godly meeting. 
If I had just shaken his hand and said, no, I don't really have time to look at your house, that would have never happened. But man, there's a power of God on me to solve problems. And there's a power of God on him to solve problems. And you know what? Our theology would not ever meet, probably not even in the middle, but our spirit met. And we talk kingdom business. He loves Mexico. I love Mexico. He loves people. I love people. He helps people. I help people. We can talk. You see what, see what happens? It just begins to fall in place. And it's because you're out there living life and not hidden away saying, Oh, come quickly, Lord Jesus. I'm waiting for the trumpet to sound. Now, the Apple executives, most of you know what Apple brand is all about. They have a philosophy that I love. Do not create what people are buying. Create what they would buy if they knew it would be available. That's where God wants to take you. Don't try to reinvent the wheel. What does God want to make available in this earth? You do that. What about... Is there a new way of education that will embrace a child in his true learning form and bring him through an educational process and, and into higher education, celebrating all that God has intended that child to be? Or must we continue to try to push every one of them in the same form and then take that prophecy out of darkness that this one can't learn or that one can't learn? What absolute nonsense! Of course they can learn. What would God... Help us to know about education. How would that look? What would, how, hey, he wants to tell people of his kingdom about that. But you know, fear of men cause you to not be who God's called you to be. It tries to press you into a mold that is accepted. And most of us don't fit. It's a wonderful thing that you're not like me. I've said this before, but I'm so pleased that my wife is not like me. And she is too, I'm sure. But the thing is, is we all have the image of God in us. That stuff that He wants to put into the world. And some of us think, you know, there, there's a darkness over us. So we think, oh, well, some reason my family unit is not working. And I guess it's just not going to work going to work come on how do you need to change to make that family unit work what do you need to see about your own image that you can then put aside and be, be formed in the image of God family units will work if everybody quits trying to rule <laughs> Psalm 67 God be gracious to us bless us Cause your face to shine on us. And then verses 3, or through 3, verse 2. That your way may be known on the earth, not in the heavens. They know His way. On the earth. And your salvation among the nations. You want revival to come and people to be saved? You get your face in God's face. And you begin to live where every breath you draw, you're aware that you're breathing the breath of God. And every move you make, you're moving with God until you become in so much in sync with each other that people begin to get saved because of that. Now keep going. Verse 4. 
<clears throat> Let the people praise you. Let all the people praise you. Now verse 6 and 7. The earth has yielded its produce. God, our God, blesses us. God blesses us that all the ends of the earth may fear Him. Are you seeing this? This is the psalmist seeing this was going to happen. You and I must taste what God is doing and live that. And then the nations begin to come. Then the nations begin to want it. Then the people in your job site begins to wonder what it is with you. What it is that's different. Always enough, hear me, there's always enough of God in you to shift the atmosphere around you. Now what are you going to do? Are you going to walk into work tomorrow and let the griping and the complaining that's all around you pull you down to it and fulfill the prophecy of darkness that work is bad? Or are you going to step up and say, oh no, not me. I enjoy this job. God gave me this job. I'm going, to, I'm going to shift this atmosphere by my very attitude. And then I'm walking in ways of righteousness for His name's sake. And I realize that God Himself created work. Even before the fall, He created work. And I need to subdue this atmosphere around me. Figure out the way it works for the kingdom and work it. Don't go get another job. You'll just gripe and complain about that one too. I like the one, the verse there that says creation begins to yield its produce. Now look at Romans 8, verse 14. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Now 19 through 21. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it in hope of what? That the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption and into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. See, this is Scripture. This is not just some preacher dreaming. But get that picture that the creation around you is groaning, <clears throat> waiting for you to be who you are. Waiting for you to step up and realize that the power of God flows through and you bring order. It's waiting, adjusting to you being you. And when he, it sees that you're you, creation itself will begin to release its produce for you to oversee and you to work. And it'll look much like the world around you, except it'll be for the glory of God and for the welfare of the kingdom. And you won't be living like some petty little tyrant overseeing a business, but you will be deeply involved in the lives of people. Deeply involved in people. And investing and seeing something in them that you, like God, you lay hold of something in them and bring it out, insisting that no, the atmosphere will not be like that here. It will be like this. Because God has spoken to you and you're walking with Him and talking with Him. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations 
every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we're taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. That, folks, is spiritual warfare. Yes, I acknowledge the demonic is at work. I acknowledge that. I acknowledge that there was a war in the heavenlies. Jesus said, I looked at that and I've seen Satan raise up against God. And boom, he's thrown down like that. Didn't last any time. Now he operates because he has the keys that was given to him by men. And until we step up and take from the authority of God the keys given to us, he has a hold in your life. But if you start to take every thought captive to the fact that it is God that indwells you, and every speculation that you won't make it, every speculation that your children will not serve God, every speculation you bring that down and say, no, that's not the way of the kingdom. But I begin to speak with a new tongue. I begin to say what God is saying. And yes, when I don't know how to pray, I allow Him to baptize me. And sometimes it comes out in a, in a heavenly language. And there's times for me that I literally spend hours speaking in tongues because there's something shifting in the heavenlies. I can't identify it. I can't define it. He can. He knows how to take it to the Father. So I lend my tongue, that most unruly member, I Give it over to Him and let Him pray as He sees fit. And that's the most effective spiritual warfare in the world. I don't spend any time yelling at demons. Matter of fact, if they manifest when I'm praying for somebody, I don't dignify them by yelling. I just tell them, do, what, do this. And the Son of God here, you know, you're going to have to give in. And it does. When I see darkness working in your life, how do I come against that? By putting my life right alongside yours because there's light shining out of my life. And I'm telling you that the light in my life will begin to flood your darkness and it will either cause you to have a breakdown or a breakout. It'll be which, whichever you decide because you have the keys. You can open up into the darkness and live in that Oh, but you don't understand how bad my life is. No, and I don't want to understand because I want you to understand how good mine is. I'm facing some stuff, yes. But I've got somewhere in there, I've got a word from God that will help me to overcome whatever I'm facing. And when I come out of the other side, it'll be, it will be like the psalmist. I will have passed through the, shadow of, or the valley of the shadow of death itself. But I'm not fearing any evil. Why? Because He's with me. There's nothing the enemy can do to stop me from coming out on the other side. Unless I get focused on him and settle down in the shade of that valley and let darkness overwhelm me. But if you will begin to understand that God himself empowers you. Worship team, would you come back? That God himself empowers you. God himself empowers you. Not only empowers you, but he indwells you. And he wants to overflow you. You know, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, when you, when you read it, it, it gives this impression that He just filled them and filled them and filled them and filled them until it was like they were baptized because it started overflowing around them. And all of a sudden, it's like they were in the presence of that thing. And it just began to, it began to affect every part of their being. <clears throat> and they went from that place and they lived differently because... They were now empowered to do some things and they understood that. But I find it interesting. They were commanded to go forth 
into all the world and preach the gospel. But they didn't do that. They just kind of sat around in their little Jerusalem nest and, and kept it for something like 20 years or something, maybe 15. But they just kind of kept it to themselves. So they themselves walked into a path of destruction and pressure that dispersed them out to the world. Why? Because they didn't do what he said. There were so many of them having their little little fun games there in Jerusalem that eventually it began to get the attention and they, they had not obeyed God. So now pressure began to came on them and they had to go somewhere. But here's the interesting thing. You follow history. Everywhere they went, the church happened. Everywhere they went, the power of the Holy Spirit happened. And we've gotten away from that. We've, we've come all nestled up in our, our little communities and, and we... Oh man, something crossed my mind sometimes that I just have to say, God, that's got to be me. It can't be you. We, we get all nestled up here and we, we try to make others like ourselves and, and we, we fight among ourselves because we present this image and th- this is who I am. And if you don't worship it, I'm going to kill you. We do that. And, and, it's just, and what we have is these arguings and these fightings among us when God never intended it that way. He intended us to take the power that we have out there and to reproduce the kingdom in the world. It should never be an issue who does what. Never. I mean, this finger has no argument with what this finger does because they're right and left hand. My foot don't try to grab hold of a shovel and dig a, dig a hole. My hand does that. My foot walks. My hands don't try to walk. I know some of you can do that. You can stand up and walk on your hands. That's not me. Because my body understands what works where. And we need to understand that in the house. It's not important what you do. It is that you do who you are very effectively. And when you do that, then the power of God will flow through you. Father, I want you to open your hearts. As, as the worship team goes into a song here, I want you to open up your heart and say, God, I, if, if you've already been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I want you to open up and say, God, would you baptize me again? Would you refill me? Would you manifest yourself to me? Would you help me? And God, if I don't sense that you've done that, if I don't have a change coming in me, if there's not a fire lit in me, then I'm going to keep it before you for however many days it takes. Because I'm waiting for your promise, Father. I'm waiting for your breath to flow through me. I'm waiting for an empowerment from on high. I'm I'm waiting for you to clothe me with the power of the Holy Spirit. So as they lead us into more worship, just open up your heart and let Him touch you. Let Him touch you. Let Him touch you. Father, would you do this now? Let the power of your presence literally overwhelm us. Oh God. Baptize those who've never been baptized. Refill and reconnect those who've over a long ways from it. And God help us to realize that it's important to continue to be baptized in your spirit. Those of us that's been in it a long time, God, it's so important to be being filled. Not just be filled, but be being filled with the Holy Spirit.